This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder Podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to History Hack. Matt here today as Alex and Alina have let me fly solo on a full fat history hack outing as I'm delighted to be able to welcome one of my favorite directors working today to the show. As you may hear at some point, we may be sponsored today by tree surgeons who are there for all your tree trimming needs and making a racket in the back of a podcast. So today we're going to be chatting with Sam Pilling. Sam is the award-winning director of music videos for the likes of DJ Shadow, Shaka Khan, The Weeknd, and for those commercials you will have seen from Ikea with the hair, KFC, and Coors Beer with the chap swimming through all the snow. His video for DJ Shadow's collaboration with hip-hop legends De La Soul recently won the UK Music Video Awards Award Video of the Year, and Sam was listed by Campaign Magazine as one of their top 10 directors of 2020. Sam's repped by Pulse Films, and I'm delighted to welcome him to the show. Sam, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, very happy to be here chatting to you. Lockdown for you is a bit different because you're in Prague, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. Certainly lockdown's been a bit crazy uh, work-wise with commercials and music videos at the start of the year. Uh, everything kind of ground to a halt. But it seems that recently, now that we sort of know what the beast is that we're dealing with, production has kind of slowly ramped back back up again. So yeah, I'm in Prague uh, shooting a commercial. So I, I guess it makes life a little bit more interesting with all the, the COVID restrictions and having to stay away from everybody. And Interesting is one word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> difficult, really. I mean, I think so much of what we do is, uh, is all about communication. And I think the thing I've realised, which I guess I just had taken for granted, is how much we read people's faces when we talk to each other. It's very difficult, you know, in, in, in production, you're always meeting new people, talking about things that maybe haven't been done or haven't been done in that way before. And um, to do all of that behind a mask, is, um, it, it just makes it all a bit harder. I, I, I started a new job during lockdown and I've met my colleagues twice. <laughs> Wow. Other th other than doing like Zoom calls and things, so I I, I yeah that's tricky. It's yeah it's, it's that communication and body language and just getting people's vibes and totally totally. Anyways, let let's do this thing. So we're going to be talking to you about historical accuracy because you've made two fantastic videos that take place within a time and place. If you're listening and you want to know what we're talking about, I would highly recommending you going away and googling DJ Shadow Rocket Fuel which is Sam's take on the moon landings and the fantastic video he did for Shaka Khan's Hello Happiness. And go watch them, come back, and we'll crack on. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Right. Hope you enjoyed them. So here we go. Um, Let's let's really talk about sort of the process that goes into making one of these things, because as history fans, we're very good at complaining about stuff, but we're very bad at knowing the sort of efforts you go to. So where does where does the germ of a a video or a commercial come from when when you're putting it together? What's that idea, that spark? To be honest, it, it all depends on on the track that you have that you're given or sometimes you get a brief. Um, I think what's great about the more years that I've been directing is you get to be a little bit pickier with the music that, that you choose to, to write ideas for. In both of those videos, essentially, I was allowed to come up with my own ideas. Uh, I had the creative freedom. So really, you know, the, the kernel of an idea can spark from uh, a lyric, you know, the style of a, of a piece of music, just a vibe. You know, sometimes you're trawling through the Internet, you've got the song on loop and a clip comes up or, you know, you, a, a, something from a film or a, another video or something, and, and that sparks an idea. Uh, sometimes it's an image. Um, I'm, I'm often influenced by a lot of photography, in fact, uh, for different projects, and that image can sometimes spark an idea. So, yeah, it, ideas come from, from, from anywhere, really, which is a, a bo- yeah, it's a terrible Terrible answer. It's like a politician's answer. But yeah, for example, with Shaka Khan, uh, the song's called Hello Happiness. And she is uh, a complete uh, 70s, 80s uh, legend and icon. And although the music is a, a fusion of, you know, harking back to that period of time, but with a modern twist, for me, the video had to be uh, set in the 70s. Uh, and because it was called Hello Happiness, you know, I started kind of just looking at 70s movies and and it became a bit of an homage to the the lost phone booth you know the the phone booth scene in films you know that was there's so many films you know from from the conversation serpico shaft dog the afternoon goodfellas rosemary's baby taxi driver annie hall uh jewel and i I could go on where crazy things happen in or around a phone booth and you know in our modern society with with mobile phones phone booths are you know redundant so it was a it was a kind of like a bit of an homage to the phone booth essentially so is it easier making a 70s video when you have a 70s goddess appearing in your video absolutely yeah <laughs> i mean look i think she's uh shaka khan's you know i mean she's she's a legend i mean i, I don't know it's a tricky one to answer. I mean, yes, I think one thing I would say, and it's funny because, it, it, you know, it could come back to, you could talk about it from films or commercials or music videos, but really the only reason to tell a story in the past, in fact, I'll rephrase that. You need a good reason to tell a, to tell a story in the past. There's so many great stories. I think why potential stories out there? Why would you set it in the past? I think because it is a strain on production and, and budget and uh, made all the more difficult locations. So I think you need to have a really good reason to set whatever you're making in the past. To make sure that it's a part of it, as opposed to just something to distract from the lack of story. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise it's just a gimmick. So I think the Hello Happiness video is fantastic because you, you get a lot going on in, in, in that brief moment. So it's, do you want to just describe it? If people haven't taken the moment to, to Google it, like we told them to a second ago, but do you want to describe the video? Cause it is, it is really cool. Yeah. Essentially it's uh, a day in the life of a, of a phone booth. More specifically, the nefarious characters that are hanging out 
in and around uh, the phone booth and using it in different ways. And the whole the whole thing it takes place across one night, um, and the the different character stories are intercut throughout uh, without ever actually uh, intersecting at all. It's a bit of a long winded answer, but I think that's. I think, <laughs> I, I think I think you've got it in a classic sort of US down down at heel motel, haven't you? And it's that sort of sucks you straight in with that sort of weird U-shaped forecourt that they always have. And exactly. And and that I mean that itself was um it was so tricky. I mean, you, it's it's one of those things, those kind of 70s neon lit motels that we we are so used to seeing in movies that now so many of them have been destroyed or you know. Part of it, the facade still remains, but there's a, a modern building right next to it. I think we scouted 30 motels, the producer and I, cruising around uh, the valley at night, uh, trying to find hotel, uh, hotels and motels. Um, that must have been an experience. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was really good fun. I'm, I'm a bit of a, whenever it comes to location shoots, anyone that's ever had the misfortune of working with me knows that uh, I'm a bit of a stickler and I, I like to leave no stone unturned. So I think we probably found that motel at about number 15, but I had to see the other 15 just to make sure that it was the right one. <laughs> just in case there was a better one down the road. You never know, right? <laughs> so one of the the things in, in, in my research before chatting to you is in one of your behind the scenes video, you talked about getting the feel of a visual right. And I was really, really intrigued with, with that because you know, getting that sort of sense of place, especially in the Hello Happiness um, video, you get that straight off the bat. How do you describe that feel when you, you're looking for your visual? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of it. I mean, to be honest, a lot of it comes down to your art direction. You know, it's, we, we specifically, and, that, and the, the base of that is always your location. So that's your base layer. So we were looking for, yeah, your kind of archetypal, motel parking lot and then and then it's the details so you know again you don't really see the cars that much but it was important that those were 70s cars that you could expect to have seen in the 70s it's not like we're ever seeing a close-up on the car but if the the shape of the cars in the background were wrong you'd feel it and and you know we we get away with a few bits that definitely aren't 70s but but I think uh, it's all about the art direction. And, and then on top of that, it's then about the wardrobe. You, you know, you have all of these pieces of, of a visual and they all have to work together, really. And, and it's one of those where, you know, if something is glaringly, like obviously wrong, uh, it breaks the spell. So, I mean, the first port of call was obviously finding one of the, uh, one of the old phone booths. And then, yeah, and then the cars. And I mean, really, we... we in terms of dressing, uh, other than the cars and a bit of neon, the location was as is. And, and then, of course, wardrobe is, is super important. Um, and we were lucky enough to be working with a, a really great costume designer, Derricka Cole Washington uh, in LA, who um, my DP had actually worked with on a previous project that was also period and was just really impressed by her level of detail. So, yeah, I mean, I think the outfits... They are like a big part of the video. If they were different or wrong or not quite as good, I think it would suffer or would have suffered. I should let you take a sip. Classic <laughs> Brit, can't do anything without a cup of tea. Oh yeah, too, too right, it is that time of day. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes, very good. There we go. 
Okay, so a music video is what th three to five minutes long. So when you're putting that together, how how much would you have to film to be able to get to that? When you're giving yourself enough wiggle room in the edit to to find that feel that you're talking about, or do we see everything on the screen because that's all the budget allowed? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, and yes. But I mean, very good question. <laughs> obviously, uh, obviously, you want as much footage as you want as much footage as possible in order to have options. Um, the flip side of that is you're always working to a budget and music video budgets are never very big, even, you know, for, for some big artists, in fact. So we, we shot the whole video in one night, shooting dawn, well, dusk and dawn. And we shot on film, which both the DP and I felt was another one of those important little details to get right. It's a 70s film, uh, 70s, uh, or it's, you know, 70s homage, uh, 70s films were shot on film. Uh, and I think that that texture and that kind of, that quality of the image, again, just helps embed it within that genre. So that was important, but we had a lot to shoot. In, in a commercial, it would have been a two day shoot. So we were trying to squeeze a lot of action into one night. And of course, night shoots are, are difficult because, well, for so many reasons, but people get tired. And yeah, you, you, with film, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a process. So, you, you know, you, you rehearse a few times because you don't have, it's not like digital. You can't just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. So you're limited by the number of roles and the number of roles are limited because it's a music video and you haven't got the budget to just have hundreds of roles. So you rehearse and you rehearse and then you try and shoot one or two or three takes. And again, because we had time against us, some of those shots were one takes and we got them in one and then we had to move on. And it was a case of, yeah, maybe I would have liked to have had a bit more time to finesse, but at the detriment of shooting something else. So I don't know if that's even answered your question. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's it, which is actually, it was a question I wasn't sure I was going to ask, which is the film and digital thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird talking about sort of period pieces and those constraints of shooting on, you know, the classic celluloid format versus just having a hard disk that will run and run and run until it tops out. Exactly. I guess that really sort of, as you're saying, focuses what you need to do because it's it's a finite resource as opposed to just deleting and starting again yeah it's i mean listen it's i think uh, most most directors would would agree with me in that it and, and dps would agree with me in that it's the preferred way of shooting you know it's you, you really craft each moment and each scene and then you shoot it a handful of times having done the legwork in rehearsals but obviously that there is a luxury of time you know that that the, that you need for that whereas with digital you know you can be rolling for 20 minute takes, which has its advantages when you're up against the clock and you need to quickly reset. And, and even, the, you know, there, there's the, the process of shooting on film. You know, you can't just press record and go, you've got, you know, sync or, um, you know, the clapperboard. And it's, it's all just a bit more of a process which focuses your mind, which is a really great thing, but it's not necessarily great when you're up against the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Having no idea until you just said it, that is a lot to have gotten in in one night shoot because you've got a lot going on in that video. It doesn't really pause at all. Yeah. And actually we were meant to shoot more and some scenes with some of those characters had to get dropped. 
but and 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 then just to make matters more difficult or not even more difficult but at the very start of the day so when we were setting up that afternoon the original intention was well referencing uh fight club there's a very famous telephone scene with um edward norton in fight club and the camera rotates around the uh telephone booth and our intention at least you know part of the idea and part of the concept was that we were going to have the camera on a track and we were going to circle around our booth for the whole video, some wide shots, some close-ups, which is much more a music video format, in fact, or, you know, gives it more of a technique. So we were all set up with the dolly and the track and, and we did a pass and the DP and I just looked at each other and we knew it was wrong. <laughs> So it was like, and we've worked together for many years and, and we have a shorthand, which again, on, the, on a project like this is, is, is uh, essential. Uh, but we looked at each other and we both, and then, you know, we went over and talked and we were just like, it's, that's not, it feels like a gimmick. And, you know, actually everything else we're doing is trying to make it not feel like a gimmick. So, yeah, so we quickly decided, okay, let's go handheld. And I had to sell it in to the music video commissioner that sort of was a bit of a time time eater as well but it was the right decision so i'm glad we we did it <laughs> i i had that song on repeat so much over the last year because it it's a great song for when things aren't going great because you know the lyrics um her voice you know the, the video is great fun as well it, it's it's fantastic so what is chaka khan like chaka khan's amazing chaka khan is exactly as you'd expect a 70s disco diva to be. Uh, and she's earned the right to be a disco diva. For, for a woman who used to be in the Black Panthers, uh, she's come out the other side of a drug addiction. She's a walking legend. And she was great fun, not the easiest to, to, to work with at times because she's earned the right to say no or she's earned the right to, to do what she wants. And that's that. We we shot her at the very start for our kind of twilighty period at the start of the shoot. And when she, yeah, when she was ready, she came down and came down into the parking lot. And uh, but she was wearing Crocs, and Crocs are not seventies. But she wasn't going to put the boots on that our uh, costume designer Derica had had found. And we'd found several options, and she was adamant she wasn't going to wear any of them. So. She, she just turned to me and she's just like, you'll just crop them out, right? I mean, what do you say? I mean, the answer is yes, of course, Shaka, we'll crop them out. <laughs> so that's what we did. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty. A completely different type of video. We're going DJ Shadow, Della Soul, Rocket Fuel, huge track off DJ Shadow's last album, which... I've been a DJ Shadow fan since you know introducing back in the day. So Likewise. when when I when I saw this pop up, I'm I'm one of those sad stalkery sort of fans that sort of goes, that looks like Sam Pilling did that one. And you Google and you, it is. You have a style, sir. So Thank you know you. You, to the listener, Sam now looks terrified. Um, <laughs> no, that's good to hear. That's good to hear for sure. Describe the video for us because this one, this one's a lot of fun. Um, and it takes a hard turn a, a minute or so into it. So give, 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 give us a spiel, give us your take on it. So it's a reenactment of 
the uh, iconic uh, 1969 Apollo 11 moon landing where the moon landing was in fact faked and was being filmed by Kubrick and the whole thing unravels and, and comes undone because Neil and Buzz get into a fist fight because Neil decides to go down and be the first man to step down on the moon and actually Buzz wanted to. And it's all riffing off the fact that there, it was no sort of secret that the two of them didn't really get on. Yeah, again, uh, to, to sort of uh, go back to the idea stage, you know, the track was called Rocket Fuel. So automatically you start thinking of rockets and, and that kind of thing. 2019 was the, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So it's kind of on your mind anyway. And there's a sort of anarchic nature to the, you know, to the sound of the track. Um, and, and in fact, the lyrics, uh, one of the lyrics are a close encounter of some kind. Uh, so again, it all just kind of, yeah, that all just kind of fueled the idea. And that's how I got there. We're going we're gonna to get into the rabbit hole of conspiracy a little bit later. This is where that sort of design budget, the feel of getting the time and the period right. And another thing I'm just going to recommend is to watch the video and then watch the behind the scenes because it is super cool. Because this is the second time you went out to the Ukraine to work with Radioactive, wasn't it? Uh, well, it's the second time that... So Radioactive also shot my first... Or we also shot our first uh, DJ Shadow video in Kiev with Radioactive. I've worked with them, I've actually lost count how many times I've shot in Kiev, but the Radioactive crew are amazing uh, and, and always always deliver for us. So having shot the first one there, uh, there was nowhere else but, but there to shoot the second one. But yeah, in, in, terms of, in terms of the kind of, the image and the art side of it, you know, we, we were riffing off an iconic historic event that's incredibly well documented, uh, you know, photographed and ingrained in our subconscious. Uh, and as such, uh, the visuals had to be as spot on as we could make them within the budget that we had. And we didn't quite manage to do it in the budget that we had, <laughs> but we were close, I hope. We, we were as close as we, we could get. But yeah, it was so, you know, um, it, was, it was paramount that, uh, our sets looked like the real thing. So, you know, we worked closely with uh, Vlad, uh, the production designer out in Kiev, uh, who's amazing and had such a great eye for detail. You know, I came to him with, with a load of, you know, the original kind of Hasselblad photos that were taken, uh, a load of screen grabs from the Apollo 11 documentary that had just come out, and even First Man as well, because they done it on a on a Hollywood budget but they've done an, a, an amazing job at, at visualizing it so um, those are our reference points and Vlad uh, he actually built a, a little small scale model uh, of the lunar module and and the moon land the moon surface and and all that and then getting the the mission control center that was a that was a really really tough one because we were never going to be able to, to build the scale of the actual mission control center. So we had to be smart and, you know, decided to only build a kind of a third or a segment of it. But even then, you know, we had to find a, a, essentially an old office space that would let us completely transform it. So, yeah. And, you know, that had a similar enough column and similar enough uh, lighting and, and uh, ceiling panels that 
a viewer wouldn't question it. And, and because the, the whole idea of the video was that we were always going to be using archive. So because we were going to have some shots that were actual, you know, actually from mission control and, you know, from, from the real thing, it was even more important that our set looked vaguely passable as the real thing. What was your test for that? Is it eyeballing it? Is it filming it and playing it back? You know, because it's that feel again. And it looks fantastic. I suppose if I was to go frame by frame, I could probably spot things. And there, I'm sure somebody out there did because <laughs> there is those sorts of people. But, you know, I guess what's the criteria for, for signing off on that? Is it we're running out of time and we've got to film this thing? Or I mean, yeah, we had uh, where to begin. I mean, for example and this is where it gets so crazy and silly, but the headsets that the mission control workers are wearing, uh, we couldn't find those headsets. Uh, so we had to take headsets that they could find and make headsets that looked, again, close enough. They're not the same, but close enough that you don't question it at the time. So it was just, it, it, it's, those, it's those details again. So, you know, it, 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 I mean, the, the main thing was really, the, the consoles themselves. And I wanted to make sure that we had some buttons that, that, that lit up and some of those screens embedded in there that were in camera and practical. Um, the mill uh, a VFX post house helped us and, and finished, you know, gave, gave the console, a, gave the lights a finish and basically pushed it into that. It was the cherry on top that made it all feel very real embedded uh, screen footage into the screens and, and made it all come alive. But it was making sure that we had the, the, the structure, the basis, the color of the consoles, you know, the big, the big screens at the back, getting the shape right. Again, the ceiling in our, in our location was nowhere near as high as the actual, as the real thing. You know, it's all, it's all a cheat. So the process really, you know, it's talking with the production designer, it's then, you know, he uh, made models, CAD models, or the equivalent of 3D models online that we look at. We looked at the rotation, the positioning. I then fine tune with him. Uh, we have loads of conversations about how it's too expensive, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and, and time as well. You know, I, I know that they, they worked literally round the clock and to the wire to the day before to, to get it done. Um, I think they were still pouring bags of cement onto our moon surface the morning of our shoot, which nobody, nobody thanked me for when we were all hocking out. I mean, we were all wearing masks. It was like a COVID shoot, in fact, because, yeah, the, the air wasn't great in there. But again, you know, it was, it's that detail. So at first somebody said sand and actually sand's just too orange. It's too warm. So we ended up with a, a mixture of concrete and sand. And that gave us the, the, the right color. And yeah, we, we, we studied, you know, Vlad and, and, uh, and myself studied many photos of the lunar module. And I mean, we used kind of gold tinfoil essentially for some of those bits. And actually the color gold that we had on set, so in camera, wasn't really right. But thankfully uh, the colorist at the mill, Tom Mangum, did an amazing job again so both both him and the vfx guys we kept referring back to those original Hasselblad photographs and we used them as a reference point to then make sure that the color of the gold was absolutely you know spot on as we could make it 
So you you walk onto the the moon set. You've got your lunar lander, you've got the moon, and you've got a director's chair with Kubrick on it. How did that feel? Because that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Listen, it was. It was. I have to say, the whole thing was was uh, was so much fun. We shot for two days. The first day was the moon landing set. I think it was a twenty-two hour shoot day, which is horrific. But you know, we had to get it done. But yeah, it was it, it was great fun. Listen, I think I loved that we were taking, you know, a, a historical event and having a bit of fun with it and putting a little twist on it. And I think Kubrick's anarchic nature. I, I was hopeful that somewhere he wasn't turning in his grave and he appreciated the the homage and the nod. But again, that's that's uh, another sort of really important point is the casting, you know, it was, and the wardrobe again. So we worked with this amazing costume designer, Mr. Gammon from the UK. Uh, and, and it, you know, again, studied so many photos of Kubrick on set, it, what he wore in that period, making sure the tie and the blazer felt spot on, looking at his director's chair, uh, making sure that that felt right. We even cut uh, our actor's hair to give him more of a receding hairline to, to match Kubrick's. And he loved you for that. Yeah, well, I mean, he was actually super chuffed to be playing Kubrick, right? And he'd, I'd, I'd sent him a load of footage that I'd found online that was like the only footage of Kubrick on set. So I'd sent that to him so he could study his mannerisms so that he could have a fighting chance of, of uh, yeah, doing it, just doing the role justice. And then of course with Buzz and Neil, you know, we were, we were limited by the fact that we were using stunt actors and that we're in Kiev. So, you know, we, it was a case of, finding stunt actors who were really good at stunts but also really good at acting and looked vaguely like Buzz and Neil and um, that was I mean literally they were the only two options in fact really when, when you know when, when we boiled it down they were the only two and you know we, we spray tanned their faces so they looked more tanned than American and thankfully you know you put someone in a, in a helmet and it, and it masks a lot of you know, yeah, so they, they were close enough to the look. Thank goodness Neil had that little bit of tuft of hair coming out of... Absolutely. Again, crucial, crucial detail. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
So the, um, the the tree surgeons have arrived. So I apologize for any background noise that is seeking through. I think that the fun bit for me when I, I watched it the first time is that moment when it all goes horribly wrong. You've got the rock, paper, scissors in, inside the lunar module. And you, you've got an inkling about what's about to happen, but you just ramp it up and ramp it up as you know as, as that beat in the song is just getting sort of going and going and going you just t- turn it up to 11 that must have been a lot of fun to to get right to have you know these two iconic characters just going for it on the moon yeah it was it was so much fun and again it's it's funny because talking about the seed of the idea i just seen you know i had this image in my head of two astronauts in their bulky suits playground scrapping trying to fight each other but they can't really fight that well because they're in these cumbersome suits um and so it was it was a lot of fun i mean i don't know how much fun it was for them those guys were troopers i mean they worked so hard they had yeah i mean they were dripping with sweat i think we ruined the suits which uh was not not great but um but yeah so i mean they were they were they worked so hard um, and then, of course, as it all develops, we were using wires, which, you know, just takes more time, is more complicated. And, you know, they were throwing themselves, they were throwing each other about all day, uh, you know, always with a smile on their face, always wanting to go again and, and make the shot better. It was it was amazing. And actually, we worked with the same stunt coordinator, Ilya, uh, as we did on the first DJ Shadow. Uh, so we knew we were in we were in safe hands there. The first one, which I will bring up in a minute, that's a fight scene and a half. But anyways, so what? One of the things we were chatting chatting on Twitter about this is the research you did on faking the moon landings. For this, I went into the Reddit rabbit hole of moon landing conspiracies. There's some interesting people out there. Certainly are. <laughs> Given everything that's going on now, conspiracy theories, yeah, they're getting stranger by the moment. But this is this is the classic one. So what, what were some of your favorites that you, you saw and that you sort of nicked bits from to, to throw in? Because there's a lot of nods to some crazy stuff. I sort of thought the way you did the lighting rigs is kind of the way you look at these nurses who've mocked up how they would have filmed it. And it was, it was, it looked really cool. Yeah. I mean, well, one, again, one of the, one of our references was uh, the seventies movie Capricorn one, which is about a faked Mars mission, uh, which is in itself, referencing the idea that people thought the moon landing was faked. Uh, so I looked at that and there's a more recent movie called Operation Avalanche, which is all about the CIA faking the moon landing. So I looked at those for, for references of you know how we would set it up. But in terms of the conspiracy theories themselves, I mean, again, so Kubrick, which is a, a, a fairly well-known one, I think, but that's where he came from. So he wasn't in the original idea but as I was sort of diving into it, it just, it would have been wrong not to include him, to be honest. And there's a few, there's a few little nods. So when they're fighting, one of them picks up a fake rock and on the rock, which people probably don't even notice, but it says C, there's a C written on the rock. And on some forum somewhere, somebody had looked at a photograph from one of these, uh, one of the moon landings and had, you know, zoomed in onto one of the rocks and where there's a letter C, which is C for conspiracy, right? Of course. Um, and, you know, their, their whole uh, point of view was that the astronauts were trying to reveal clues in the photographs that, were, that showed that it was fake. So there's things with, with, with Neil's watch. 
uh, and the time, which he was wearing a watch and I had wanted to shoot, but we, we ran out of time. And again, I was going to, I was going to do, we had, we, we filmed in fact, a flag sequence because again, the whole like rippling flag, how does it ripple uh, in that atmosphere? So we filmed that, but actually it never made the cut for, for, for timing reasons, but also because I had a flag in the previous one as the kind of climax, which is in itself a reference to uh, a photograph from which I can go, we can go into later if we talk about it. But, but the, yeah, so because of the flag was in the other one, and although this was clearly a, a follow-up, I didn't want it to be too similar. So in the end, we, we dropped that one. But, but I mean, some of the ones I was reading, I mean, it's amazing. You know, people really will believe anything. There's one theory that a lot of the moon landings were shot in the, in the Nevada desert. And I think they, they think that's what Area 51 is. And, you know, that's why no one's allowed to go in because they've got all of this evidence that shows that they faked the moon landing. And that they filmed a lot of it in an area that used to be a, a junkyard and someone had like super contrasted one of these photographs and was trying to show that there were car shapes in the moon uh, surface, you know, in the, in the shape of the rocks. And actually it was like cars piled up on top of each other that then people had, they'd obviously poured sand on Bon bonkers stuff, to be honest. And that, and that, and, and, you know, it's funny because the more, the more I researched and, and the more, you know, I just wanted to put more and more in. And I was obviously limited by, by the time of the, the track uh, you know, budget and all, and all the rest of it. But it, that's kind of why at the very end, it just felt right to do the mother of all conspiracies and show that the iconic Earthrise shot, but the earth is flat uh, and the flag is Shadow's album cover and it's rippling and the credits are in the Doctor Strangelove font because Kubrick shot it. It all just became, it was just me just geeking out on reference on reference, basically, which was fun. I've, I've often thought that if they did have Kubrick to direct it, it would have been cheaper to go to the moon. Well, that, yeah. In fact, somebody commented on the video uh, that Kubrick did shoot it and that he was such a perfectionist that he went to the moon. So there you go. <laughs> you can kind of, that makes, yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> um <laughs> It, it's 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 a fantastic video and like we said it, it won the uk music video awards video of the year for 2020 yeah which was fantastic congratulations for that thank you that must have been a strange awards ceremony yes it's 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 uh it's a shame you know it's it's one of those that's you know the highlight of the music video calendar really and it's always a good time good good party and everyone has too much to drink and talks a load of shit and has a good time uh so it was very bizarre to be both sober and sitting at home on my sofa. And to be honest, it was, it was really unexpected. Uh, you know, you're always, you know, not always, but you're often nominated and there's so many amazing videos made each year that um, you, you almost expect not to win. So uh, it was a really pleasant surprise. And I'm really glad that the, both the colorist um, and, and the editor got their awards for it as well. So. As I'm on my own here, I can do what I want. So we're going to talk quickly about the your your first DJ Shadow video, Nobody Speaks, which was with Run the Jewels, mainly because my mates, Stevie and John, if I don't bring up Killer Mike and LP in this, they will kill me. They have sent me questions, which we might get to. To make this history adjacent, 
again, you've gone Kubrick-esque with, with the design and I'm going to go four degrees of separation to the Hawker Typhoon, which is my mastermind subject is you can go Kubrick. Then you go Ken Adam, the designer on Strange Love, who flew Typhoons with 609 Squadron during the war, which as a German Jew, if he'd been caught, he would have been similar, similarly executed. Um, but he, he, he's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely mad story. Him and his brother were in adjacent squadrons and they were all through Normandy and through into 1945. Yeah. Wow. And um, yeah. And they left, didn't know what to do. And he became a set designer and started making Bond, Bond uh, sets. I think he did yeah, Doctor Bo- No. He, he, he did. And um, the, the volcano in um, You Only Live Twice. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, you just think, well, there you go. He, he survived the most dangerous mission profile ever and then created fantastic playgrounds for dangerous movies to be shot. I mean, a to- so, total legend, total legend. Oh yeah. So again, it's, I guess you're sort of playing on that theme. You've sort of got a UN meeting, which basically kicks off is the only way to put it with um, the run, the jewels, killer Mike in LP's lyrics, bantering back and forth. What, what fun that must've been because when you start watching it, you know it's a run the jewels video you know what's going to happen but even when it does you've got these two crusty old white guys being mike and lp that must have been a lot of fun to do yeah no i mean it was it was hilarious and and to be honest it's one of those where again it was it was just great that that shadow uh, mike and l you know loved the idea and and let us just run with it i think it was one of those when i you know when i listened to the track they had such a kind of that classic, you know, rap battle, bravado, back and forth, you know, witty punchlines. And, and of course, uh, LP references Trump in one of the lyrics, uh, that it all just kind of fell into place in, in my mind. And, and I, you know, it was at the time that, you know, it was, it was sort of a bit of a case of right place, right time. It was, it was right when things were kind of kicking off with Trump. Uh, and thankfully, it looks like we're now coming to the end of that crazy saga. But yeah, so it was right at that time. And, you know, I just got thinking that, you know, the way that politicians spout this nonsense back and forth, you know, in debate is actually, is actually so similar to, uh, to a rap battle, although obviously very different. So I just thought it, it would be hilarious to have these two crusty old white men spouting, you know, but, but again, a politician would never, ever swear because they're, you know, they're always trying to be on their best behavior. So I, I just thought- Sometimes you wish they would though. Absolutely. I, I think we all wish that politicians would be a bit more real and honest when they do speak in public. Uh, Matt Hancock is a prime example in his latest debacle. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so yeah, it was just, it, it just felt like so much fun to have these crusty old white dudes saying things like, I'm a bag of dicks. <laughs> you can bleep that bit out. But um, yeah, oh, so no, you can say what you want on this show. Love it, love it. So that was really the 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 premise, and then it's funny because uh, although it, in in itself it's not necessarily a historical uh, UN meeting, in order to sell the idea to to the guys, I cut together a little mood film uh, using footage from the Frost Nixon movie when they have their interview, and even though the lip sync wasn't perfect on that. I mean, why would it be? They're saying different things. But I cut it in such a way that it was close enough. 
And I mean, it's one of those where, you know, just for a little clip for 15 seconds. And as soon as I cut it and I watched it, I laughed. So that's obviously like, that's a good thing, but you know, you're, I would laugh because I'd done it, right? So then sent it to- La- Laughing at your own joke is always half the battle. I mean, yeah, you, uh, you, exactly. But you, you want to make sure you're not the only one laughing. So uh, yeah, sent it to, to uh, Rick, the music video EP at Pulse. And then, yeah, he laughed and he sent it on to them and, and they were like, they loved it. So yeah, that was kind of how it all, how it all evolved. I, I love that you've got Mike and L as sort of the voice of reason looking on, going, what on earth is going on in it as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I really wanted them to be involved, to, to be part of it. Um, and again, because I think it's great to have rappers who are usually, you know, bling bling. And not that they're necessarily bling bling rappers, but you know what I mean? The, the rap videos are often rappers being rappers. And, and actually, it was great that they were really up for dressing in a suit and tie and acting like politicians. So that that was really good fun. We shot that sort of, we shot with them separately um, in New York because it was the only day that Shadow, Mike and Elle were all in New York. So we had to shoot that separately before we'd shot anything else. But it was it was important that we did that. And then nice little Easter eggs for the fans just just to have in. Yeah, I mean, I could go on talking about, I mean, you know, the the, the video, I mean, the fight sequences were, you know, I was, I was very keen on the idea that they felt almost like Renaissance paintings, uh, like Raphael's The Battle of Ostia, The School of Athens, you know, they, the, the way those images are, those, that sort of, you know, very observed, wide, symmetrical, uh, these kind of contorted moments of anguish. Uh, I was riffing off that for the wider shots um, of, of the fight. You can see that because you've got so much going on in, in the frame. It's, you know, corralling that, you're... Your stunt guys in, in the Ukraine did an amazing job because every time I watch it, I notice something else going on in the background. Oh, <laughs> that was the vibe. I mean, that was the thing is we, were, we worked really hard with Ilya and his team to make sure that it wasn't just a case of, right, this action here, but it was like that it starts there and then you hit her and then she does this just so that it felt like there was a visual progression rather than just violence. I mean... It's just violence, but at least that there was progression within it rather than just a big old punch up. In both of the shadow videos, you've got a, a, a lady saving the day, the tea, tea lady stopping it in one, and um, um, oh, I've forgotten her name. The, yes, the actual lady oh, I've forgotten Mission her control. name as well. The oh. only woman, the only female yeah. worker in Mission Control at the time. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it only felt right in both versions. In fact, with with the first video, it felt right that a working class, uh, you know, what is seen as a working class job that a working class woman came and saved the day against these stupid politicians. Uh, and in the second one, it only felt right that, again, uh, an intelligent woman saved the day against the stupidity and bravado and arrogance of, of men. It is the, wor- the world we live in is, you know, men behaving badly. And it was, it just felt right that a woman should save us from that. Fantastic. Right. Let's, I've, I've kept you for long enough. Let's do a couple of quick fire ones. This one's for, for, for Stevie and John. Are Mike and Elle as cool as we really hope they are? A hundred percent, yes. They're, they are both such, you know, such lovable human beings. Uh, super chill, of course, as you'd expect. And, you know, I mean, just L has such banter. I mean, the whole t- we met them in, in New York uh, when they were doing a, a recording or a rehearsal session. 
and he was just cracking jokes the whole time. And yeah, they're just, I mean, listen, they're the sort of guys you want to go and have a beer with or oh, a spliff. Funny. You know, it's that kind of vibe. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, does Shadow ring you now and say, I've got an idea? I wish, I wish. Um, <laughs> I was, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, listen, that would be amazing. I think the, uh, we have we have each other's number because just from, you know, dealing with the jobs. And it was, he's, again, Shadow's such a, a nice, uh, sweet guy. And again, a, a, a hero for me as a teenager, uh, like you, I grew up listening to introducing. So, so to be able to work with him is, is amazing. But when the video won video of the year at the UK MBAs, he texted me to say congrats which like you know he doesn't have to do that you know it's like and um so you know he's such a such a sweet guy and on top of that the nobody speaks record just went gold the single went gold and um his management like put in contact and said what's your address we want to send you the the gold plaque so yeah nice no, i mean listen hopefully he he at least considers doing it i mean look it's most things like great things happen in threes right so good things happen in threes so maybe who knows maybe there'll be a third but uh we'll see okay so a couple more then we'll end this off uh when you watch a sort of period piece what irks you as as a fan maybe more so than um, as a professional i think one of the things and it's not it's not there's two things one of the things is when the script is in English, even though the historical event happens somewhere else. And that's not just historical movies, but uh, but it, it, it seems to somehow get wrapped up in that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. It's for a Western audience. But actually, you know, we're all smart. We can all read subtitles. And I think it, it takes you out of it, you know, if you've got something happening in Germany, but someone's speaking English. Uh, for me, that's that's a big... Uh, that irks me a lot. Therefore, and put them in an English accent and we can pretend it's German. Yeah. Or, or, or it's like, oh, they're speaking English, but with a German accent. And you're like, why don't, why aren't they just speaking German? And therefore, as a result of that, why didn't you cast a really great German actor who would have smashed the role? And I, and I understand why, because, you know, you cast, I don't know, whoever it is, uh, Eric Banner, for example, because he's a name and he's going to bring in the money and he's going to put the bums on the seats. So I get it, but that is, I, yeah, it just annoys me a little bit. Okay. Favorite historical film choose between your children. <laughs> yeah. So favorite historical film. God, there's so many that I love and they're probably all not necessarily straight historical films. Um, I mean, full metal jacket, Munich, the Big Short, Apocalypse Now, Dunkirk, The Favourite, Letters from Iojima, they're all good. But the one, the one that probably because I was a child when I first watched it, it just has to be Forrest Gump because of the way that they integrated Forrest in all of these events within history. I mean, you had Forrest teaching Elvis how, he, how to do the, the Elvis dance. Yeah. You know, you had him meeting the president um, you know, playing ping pong uh, against against the champion at the time. I mean, it was kind of ingenious as a story to to weave his journey through history. So that's it's probably the one that gets it. I love that movie. And we 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 did we did a, one of our down the pubs last night, which where we just basically get together and bitch about a subject, and it was love bad it. 
bad history movies. Four hours it went on. Oh, which and who won? Gun. Which one won? <laughs> this 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 is terrible. It, it went on so long last night. I can't really remember. But the other Berlin girl came up pretty pretty high. That might have won actually. Right. Um, very long rants about Birth of a Nation and. Oh, I mean, yes, that like, yeah. that's definitely. I mean, talk about a movie that has shaped the prejudice in America. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, you just. How, I thought how Spike Spike Lee used it in Black Klansman when he was cutting between very Klansman clever watching it and Paul Robeson that was very that clever was amazing yeah. yeah um right you get to spend a day on set you can choose between Kubrick and Nolan I think I know which way you're gonna go but who would you like to spend a day learning from Kubrick yeah. <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong but, but that would involve time travel so if time yes, if I can't no, time travel, then definitely Nolan. <laughs> but no, but, but, but Kubrick. I mean, I'd, I, you know, I think I would, I'd probably have loved to have been on 2001 just to have a go on the spinning set, if nothing else. <laughs> if that was the only thing I got to do on, on the day uh, and, and, make, and make Kubrick a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, uh, I'd probably be happy. So is that why you did the spinning set for the Galaxy Chocolate? That well, it's fun. I mean, you talk about Kubrick and Nolan, both because of of yeah. that and because of Nolan's uh, hallway fight scene in Inception, both both references. So, yeah. right, Sam, I've taken up far too much of your time, but thank you so much for joining us on History Hack. This has been really, really good fun, and yeah, just really thanks, mate. This oh, mate, a absolute pleasure. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, uh, and hopefully, people listening find it fun too. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure they will i'd like to thank sam one last time for joining us on history hack please be sure to check out sam's website we can find all his videos commercials and the really cool behind the scenes videos at sampilling.com you can also follow sam on the twitter machine at sampling 45 that's sampling as in sampling a track and on instagram at s45 mpling we have loads of great shows coming up with you with Alex and Alina blasting through the next month, the full fat history hack goodness right as we speak. And also don't forget, we have Princess Marcus and Zach White returning with more sharpshooters and my very own hedgehopping outings on the Thursdays of the month. And now, could we trouble you for your support of History Hack? In 2020, when the boss ladies Alex and Alina started History Hack, the world was very strange. And unfortunately, it looks like 2021 is going to be equally strange. We would love it if you're able to support the podcast in any way. It will allow us to keep up the regularity of the pods and also the great guests that we've been able to bring you over the last year. We exist on Patreon as History Hack and also on Podbean, our podcast host's own platform called Patreon. The reward tiers are being updated at the moment, so there's going to be some fantastic options for you to choose from. So if you're able to support us, that would be fantastic. So we thank you very much, and until the next time, bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.